I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the We Are Podcast in the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm Jared Brigar. He's Corey Geiger. Corey, what a disaster Saturday's Penn State, Illinois was and about every way that you could imagine, especially the fact that Illinois beat Penn State. Yeah, they beat them on the scoreboard. They beat them on the field. They beat them at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. The team that deserved to win won. Now, Illinois is not a good team or a bad team. Penn State had chances to win. But we're going to break this thing down here, Jared. I mean, just to let everybody know, we're recording this probably, I don't know, seven hours after the game ended. And sometimes when you do like these post-game videos or podcasts or whatever, if you do them within 30, 45 minutes or, or so of the game ending, you just have a lot of raw emotions. And fans are like this too. I think we all kind of go through these same stages, Jared. Media and fans, we're kind of the same. You go through these raw emotions. You just want to just want to rip the hell out of them because they lost. This seven hours, Jared, I've kind of spent thinking about it more. Just Just thinking about it thinking about what happened and I'm still going to rip the holy hell out of them because this was atrocious. Seriously. The more you think about it, you know, typically you kind of get less raw or less angry or what have you, you know, over time. This is seven hours after the game and I still cannot believe Penn State played like absolute vomit, to be honest with you. I think that's unfair to vomit, to be perfectly honest, Corey. Um, they, like, I listened to the game on, on, on the radio, so I had a little bit different uh, of an aspect of it or, or perspective, but Penn State's offense was so truly abysmal. And even with this, I, I, listen, I don't think it's fair to say Sean Clifford was a certain percentage, but he was not 100%. I think he was more 50 55%, and I think that's what makes it even worse, too. You trotted a guy out there. He had limited limited capabilities uh, from what it seemed on the radio with his passing. That was not the same Penn State team. And what did you do over the bye week? You were coming off of a bye week where you're supposed to get healthy, and your team just played like absolute trash. Like, what did you do to prepare for Illinois? Because Illinois, James Franklin got outcoached by Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema outcoached James Franklin. That should not happen. Well, 
it's one of those things where we all knew the massive drop off from Sean Clifford to take one Roberson. I don't know what Sean Clifford was. Maybe 75%, maybe 50%, as you know, you said. I mean, he really couldn't run the ball. But how bad must take one Roberson be? Honestly, I don't, I'm not trying to pick on him. He didn't even play. But if that Sean Clifford gives them their best chance to win, if 50 to 60 to 70% Sean Clifford gives them their best chance to win. We all thought, Jared, how, how dumb are we? Media fans like, we all said, we all said, doesn't matter who the quarterback is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, my goodness, if Roberson would have played, I mean, you'd think it'd been worse, but could it have possibly been better? Because that was that was just really bad from their offense. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I don't want to speculate on injuries because that's not fair to anybody involved, but if, if Clifford's not willing to run the football, it seemed like it was probably more in the, in the chest and the rib area uh, to me. But that's going to take away a, a big chunk of your game, but – let Roberson play, man. Like we talked about Illinois and, and we talked about last week, how Penn State should handle them easily. We talked on the radio, how they should handle them easily. We talked about them in the preview about how they should handle them easily. And Illinois came out and shoved it down their throats for four quarters. And all of us in the stands, anywhere in the state and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania could have rushed for that many yards against Penn State today. It was just such a terrible performance. And that's something you just don't see from Penn State. Hey, look, I'm looking at the stats as we're recording this, and I honestly can't believe this. I I, I just cannot believe this. And, you know, we get used to in sports or or in the world, people say, this is unbelievable. This is incredible. And a lot of times it's not. These things I'm about to tell you, they are unbelievable. Penn State gives up. 357 yards rushing to a team that had 38 yards passing. This is the worst passing team I have ever seen play Penn State. I've covered Penn State for 16 years now. This is the worst passing team I've ever seen. And I hope Arthur Arthur Sidkowski is doing okay. He got injured late in the game. He's probably the worst starting quarterback I've ever seen that's played against Penn State. And that includes some FCS teams, Jared, some really bad teams. And that includes his time at Rutgers. <laughs> I mean, right. And he, I mean, Jared, they threw for 38 yards. But why throw it? And and won the game. Yeah. And what? Look, what is insane is that forever. Penn State, if you're a one-dimensional offense, Penn State's going to beat you, period. If you can't throw the ball, you basically cannot beat Penn State because their defense has always been good enough to, if you're one-dimensional, they're going to find a way to win. This was the most one-dimensional. This was like playing a a military academy. This was the most one-dimensional offense ever, and they still ran it down their throat for 357 yards. We can talk offensive failures. We can talk, talk defensive failures. They failed miserably on both sides of the ball. And let's think about this too. It's not like as, as gashed as the defense got, Penn State still had multiple opportunities to win this game. Yeah. Like, and put them away. And they just did not do it. So like, as, as much as we want to talk about the defense, you know, being porous and, and really, you know, being like the, the Autobahn for running backs, they still held throughout an, an unlimited amount of overtimes. They still held 
Illinois to 18 points. If you hold a team to 18 points, oh, I'm sorry, 20 points, yeah. 20 points, you should win that game. In nine overtimes. And by the way, let, yeah. let's take a step back for one second. Uh, we did watch history. This was something that had never been done before. Nine overtimes. I think we'll all all remember this game. I'm a Syracuse basketball fan. I remember the six overtime game, the famous one against UConn in the Big East tournament. This game will forever be famous, but not because it was a great game. It was an atrocious game. Um, nine overtimes. So the way it works, just in case people weren't fully clear, you, you could score regular first overtime session. Second overtime session, you had to go for two if you scored a touchdown. After that, it was just a two-point conversion best so here, here in in nine overtimes it the total points Penn State could have scored was 29 seven in the first eight in the second and then 14 over the seven uh two-point conversion that's 29 points they scored eight all right and this is where I'm telling you this is where Mike Yersich I think really really failed uh, I, and not just today, but just with this offense in general, Jared. I was very excited with the Mike Yersich hiring. I love offense. I want to see them score 40 points a game. To score eight points in nine overtimes, he had one touchdown, and it was a fluky touchdown because John Dotson had an unbelievable catch to steal an interception to help set up the touchdown. Jared, this was, this was just an absolutely garbage offensive performance. And whether Clifford's 50 or 75% or not, you're Penn State. You would be the number two team in the country this week if Clifford had not gotten hurt against Iowa. And, and that's all you can do offensively. I, I really – I think we have to start taking a really long, hard look at Mike Yersich uh, and, and really the major disappointment that he's been this year. Now, he can get better. He, he's got a great track record. But my goodness, man, 10 points in, re in regulation, eight, po eight points in nine overtime periods, that's completely unacceptable. Do you remember the scene in Space Jam where the Monstars take the powers of Sean Barkley <laughs> or uh, of Charles Barkley and Sean Bradley and all the and Muggsy Bogues and those guys? It was like that Iowa game took the powers of the Penn State's team, just it stripped it away from them. And Penn State was not the same team Saturday that they have been in in weeks past. It, it just wasn't. It, and, and James Franklin talked. Yeah, and James Franklin talked about. You know, they didn't have players healthy in practice and everything. And James isn't one to make excuses. And maybe that's not an excuse. That's the reality. you got to go up against a Big Ten team. You, you want to be healthy. It was just so alarming to see Illinois control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They controlled the line of scrimmage with their heavy sets and allowed the 357 yards rushing. They controlled the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, getting pressure on Sean Clifford. Now, again, he wasn't as mobile as, as usual. But as you talked about, Jared, Iowa, did, did Iowa break Penn State? I mean, it is I, – I, again, folks, this is seven, seven and a half hours after the game ended. By the time you listen to this Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Monday, I, I'm assuming you're all probably still going to be in this dumbfounded state of shock because what we saw happen is, is almost unbelievable. A team with 38 yards passing beats Penn State at Beaver Stadium on homecoming, no less. Yeah, I mean, on the anniversary of Penn State, Iowa, 6-4. to four, Yeah. Um, you know, it was, this is a game that probably set the game of college football back uh, quite a few years. But you know what? 
as much as we can harp on on this game and, and how much of a disaster and devastating loss this was to the fan base, I think more than anything, um, because like <laughs> Penn State should always beat Illinois. That's you know that's not something that should ever happen. And Penn and and Illinois has not been a very good program for the better part of the two thousands, right? Not since I think Juice Williams really um, they have they been that great. Um, and and that's I think something too. But but the season isn't over. And it honestly gets a lot harder after this. And we're going to touch on that here when we come back in the second segment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the VR Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. This is Jared Perkar. He's Corey Geiger. Corey, the world is, it seems like it might be falling and crashing down and crumbling and every other descriptive adjective to describe the tire of fire that was this game. But it doesn't get any better because they're at the horseshoe in prime time next week, which is what might seem like they've been planning for all along. Uh, we're heading there. We're going to Columbus. Uh... Does anybody in their right mind think that that game is going to be close? Uh, Ohio State went to Indiana. Indiana's not any good, but they scored 30 points in the second quarter and they beat Indiana 54 to seven on the road. I said this, I've said this for weeks that after that Oregon loss, Ohio State, you just figure they're going to figure it out. They're going to get better. And now they get a Penn State team coming. Now, look, maybe, maybe the humiliation and the embarrassment of this Illinois loss will get everybody's attention, Jared, and they might have the best week of practice in their lives. And look, Penn State has matched up physically well against Ohio State for a a number of years. Um, So, you know, can they go out there and compete? You're going to need Sean Clifford to uh, be somewhat healthy, you know, be, be able to do more things than he did against Illinois. But here's the bottom line, Jared. I mean, what is this Penn State team? I, I, I always got a feeling they were a little overrated, even though they rose up to number four. 
Wisconsin's not really good. Auburn's okay. But everybody gave Penn State all this respect, even though Penn State couldn't run the ball and Penn State still can't run the ball. But, man, I, I look at, you know, going into Ohio State this week, Jared, and uh, you just kind of shudder to think how bad that could potentially get unless Sean Clifford just, you know, remarkably gets a whole lot better. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they give the basketball that the, the Monstars took from them and, and give it give Penn State back some sort of power. But to be perfectly honest with you, it's scary to think about because, you know, when we talked on the podcast last week, you know, I think the Ohio State game is really what we had circled because we all thought the Illinois game didn't matter. And at the end of the day, yeah. this game mattered more than anything, I think, all year. Because this is what it well, this was the reality check that Penn State needed, right? You go into Iowa and you lose to the number three ranked team in the country. Okay, that's not too bad. You were competitive. Your offense was abysmal for the better part of the game, but you were with your backup quarterback in a hostile environment. That makes sense. But you're at home and homecoming in what I think are some of the best uniforms in college football. I love the Generations of Greatness jerseys. And you're at home and on homecoming, right? And I'm just going to repeat that again. Home on homecoming, and you lay an egg. You lay an absolute egg, and you get egg on your face. Even like it's just mind-boggling to me the, that performance. And now you got to go to Ohio State and prove that. Hey, guess what? Losing to Illinois was a fluke, and, and now we got to go compete with um, with Ohio State. So was it? That's the question. And again, there have been a number of Penn State games here in recent years where, uh, in a Penn State Ohio State games where I thought, okay, Ohio State's significantly better than them. They're going to roll it on Penn State. And Penn State always competes well with them. They do. They Even in Columbus, they compete well with them. So that's an interesting point, what you're saying there, Jared. Was this a fluke? Was what happened against Illinois a fluke? Because you're, the fandom in people and the optimism in people will, will say, sure, this was a fluke. Penn State's better than this. Clifford plays better, it's a different game, and on and on. And that's, that's how fans psychologically get by after something like this. You convince mm-hmm. yourself this was a fluke and things get – but what I'm truly wondering is if this is the real Penn State team. And, look, I, I, I do think with Clifford playing at a healthy, a healthy clip, it, it can be different. But the, Illinois just ran all over their defense, and P.J. Mustafer's not coming back. Is it possible that what we saw against Illinois is what we're going to see for the rest of the season? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, right now you're, you're back at the drawing board. I think, you know, the, the, uh, the Iowa loss kind of rattled the foundation, but this you got to rebuild now, and, and can they do it? If this is the Sean Clifford that you're going to get, we're back at square one like we were at the beginning of the season. So I, I don't know. This is a team that, that could have won five games, and they very well might end up with five losses. Hey, Jared, if you can't beat Illinois at home, can you beat anybody? I mean, that's the reality of where we are. Now, they've got – they go to Maryland, and there have been some – parties down at Maryland, some 60 to nothings or what have you. And it's been ugly sometimes. Um, And they've got Rutgers coming in and they've owned Rutgers forever. But again, you said it earlier about three or four minutes ago, like everybody overlooked this game. Everybody did. Maybe maybe the players did and the one and O mentality just didn't work this week. And we all just assumed, we all said it doesn't matter who plays quarterback, but I just can't escape the notion 
that if you can't beat Illinois, then can you beat anybody else? Now, again, that might be an overreaction. If we get a healthy Clifford, um, you know, they, uh, Rutgers is at home, you know, who, who knows, but you've got Michigan, you've got Michigan state out there. Seven and five is absolutely a possibility. And we were talking about, you know, a college football playoff going into the afternoon game against Illinois. Uh, now I'm, I, I absolutely think seven and five is a realistic possibility because that's a loss to Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and you're seven and five. Yeah, and now again, Penn State's gotten here for a reason, right? They they've won as many games as they have for a reason. So it's not like they're a bad football team. They have instances where they just forget how to play football. The offense forgot how to do much of anything. And and you're right, they still have failed to establish a running game. You know, maybe the three headed monster isn't really going to work. Maybe whatever they're doing up front isn't working. They've got to go back to the drawing board, figure it out, and and honestly. You know, you, we talk about the one and no mentality, and it, it's a cliche thing that coaches develop. Hey, we're we're only focusing on the moment ahead, right? And and in life, okay, every minute, every we're taking it one step at a time. All right. Well, it's very easy to for for a team when you've got the world at your at your fingertips, right? If you go in and you take care of business against Illinois, right? Your your one loss, your one loss is against a number three ranked team in the country. You've got Ohio State in prime time. The nation's going to be watching. You've got to prove that you're you're there. And I honestly think that the coaching staff, the players, and everybody involved on Saturday overlooked Illinois and were solely focused on Ohio State because that's to me that's the only logistical reason why they couldn't adjust to Brett Bielema in Illinois doing what they okay. did. Let me let, let's let me take a step back and I'll counter that by saying you look, Illinois does run the ball well. They came in with Chase Brown and, and McCray. Those guys were averaging five and six yards per rush coming into this game. Mm-hmm. So they could run the ball. All right. They, they couldn't pass the ball, which was just uh, atrocious. And they, they had really a hard time scoring. But the one thing Illinois does do pretty well is run the ball. Mm-hmm. And they ran the ball and they committed to it. Now, I can't believe they ran for 357, again, especially with no passing game. But Illinois does run the ball pretty well. And, and, we absolutely overlooked the fact that Illinois did have a pretty decent defense. All right. Illinois, you know, they can't score. They really struggle on offense. Their defense has been decent. All right. That, that's, they, they tackled great today mm-hmm. in some of these situations on the two point conversions. It looked like maybe a Noah Kane might get in and, and they made tackles. They were pulling runners back. So while we're, <laughs> while we're thrashing Penn state, let's give credit to the other guy. And I do want to give credit to Illinois because that's a nice win for them. It's a nice win for Brett Bielema. I do think he's a pretty good coach. He did really good things at Wisconsin. Um, and, and so we'll see how that goes. But really, at the end of the day, even if you add up all of that, uh, I'll give credit to Illinois. But th- this, is, this is absolutely a game that Penn State lost, not that, in, not that Illinois won. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the body of work. The offense put up, what, 18 points or how, however many points and – this is an offense that we expected to put up. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it was a 24 point spread or something like that. 24. Yep. Like you're, you're, this team is expected to put up points and they very, you know, very well did not sniff the end zone. Like they, it was like, it was, they were allergic to scoring. The, you know? the only thing that went well, again, Clifford threw a deep ball down the right sideline that was going to be picked off. The Illinois dude was in perfect position 
and Jahan Dotson makes a miracle catch for 36 yards. He stole the 50-50 ball. And they caught Illinois sleeping on the next play. They hit Keandre Lambert-Smith over the middle, and he runs into the end zone. That was the only touchdown. That was the last play of the, of the first quarter. And Penn State scored three points the rest of regulation. So, again, when we're talking about Mike Harrison, hey, look, <laughs> I don't care if Sean Clifford's at 50, 60, 70%. You can't score three points in three quarters of a homecoming game against Illinois. No. Everything about this was just embarrassing. Everything. Well, Everything. And, you get it. Go ahead. And no, and, and, and we talk about embarrassing. Let's talk about overtime because college overtime rules – Overtime rules in, in every sport are, are just bizarre. I hated this. Um, and it, it, you're right. And like, listen, do I think that this is the way that it should be? No. I, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with the way the NFL does it, but this this system made the NFLs look like, oh wow, this is pretty good. This is really good. And but you are a two point conversion. You line up on the two yard line, right? And and you can't find a play. And this goes for both teams. Yeah. You can't, you don't have a play in your playbook to get you two yards when you need it the most. What I, what the hell? <laughs> if you, if you would have said to me, you know, this is going to go nine overtimes, I would have thought once we got to the two point, I would have thought both of these teams would have scored five or six times a piece. And they couldn't. Uh, they, they could couldn't. not. And so uh, I think that, I think that is so random. I, I think. If you don't want to go from the 25 anymore after two overtimes, go from the 10. I, I, to me, I think it is so random. That's like ending a tie basketball game with a free throw shooting contest. I, I think this, uh, you know, but again, you know, Mike Yersich, they had a couple of nice play calls. One was a, a shovel pass, which didn't work, but I actually liked that call. I liked the call on the little, you know, toss Philly kind of special to, to Sean Clifford, although he turned it, he did, he wasn't able to catch it. But they're running Noah Kane right up the middle, and some of the other run, plays were not all that good. Penn State's defense stopped Illinois. On and Illinois plays. has completely abandoned the run game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which but, is... <laughs> and then Sikowski gets hurt, and they got to turn to Brandon Peters, and, and their backup quarterback, their backup quarterback, came in and won the game for them on the two point pass. While uh, again, look, we we probably could go on and on for five hours just trashing Penn state. But to me, the bottom line, the, the most unacceptable thing coming out of this loss. So we can, I could very easily go defense too, but Penn state's pathetic offense. I, I just cannot believe James Franklin fired Kirk Shiraka to bring in Mike Yersich. Mike Yersich has been a star everywhere he's been. We expect it. We, we all lauded the move. Kirk Shiraka throwing fade routes in the end, you know, in the red zone, we don't let, let's let's lock and, and and this is what you're gonna get from a Mike Ersage offense on, on homecoming, regardless of Clifford's health. I just think and their offense was really poor against Wisconsin. They couldn't run the ball on Villanova. Um, there are a lot of issues with this offense. Yeah, I mean the the and he's never had an established run game. Um, and that's but that's what's kind of the, the, the terrible thing here is they have some good running backs. You know, that they was, a, that, that was a position of strength coming into the season. Right. And I mean, let's think about, let's just, <laughs> let's think about, let's go back to this, this overtime, right? It, like the Penn state defense, for, say what you want. They got torched on the ground, but at the end of the day, right. At the end of the day, they only gave up what 
Um, after after overtime, they gave up mm, three points. Uh, or I'm sorry, ten points, seven points. Yeah, seven they points. Gave up ten, they gave up ten, ten points. In, in the right, right, right. So, like, <laughs> they only gave up ten points in nine overtimes and ten points in in regulation. That's, but but, but the offense, you can't you can't go in there and lay an egg like that. You can't. A lot of that was Illinois' ineptitude on offense. Right. They started trying to throw the ball more with Sikowski in those situations, and that that was just awful. Uh, look, I we I'm, we're beating our head up against the wall talking about how bad this is. Let's end this segment. We're going to talk about what this means to James Franklin. In our third segment, we're going to talk about James Franklin's future because I think that's very intriguing now, Jared. We'll get into some stuff around the country as well. All right, and we'll be right back here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast and the EK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Corey, where does Penn State go from here? And mainly, where does James Franklin go from here? Because this is about, this is the most embarrassing loss of James Franklin's tenure at Penn State. This is fascinating from the James Franklin component because we have heard for several weeks now, USC wanted him. Well, does he want USC? LSU may want him. Well, what do you want LSU? It's one loss. But what could come out of this loss? Because I think, you know, I think they're going to go lose badly to Ohio State. Even if they don't lose badly, they're going to lose. And that's three losses. You got Michigan. Michigan can run the ball. And Michigan's got a good defense. And, yeah, it's at Beaver Stadium. But, hell, if you're going to lose to Illinois, you can lose to Michigan. And Michigan State can run the ball. If they go seven and five, does anybody want James Franklin? So that to me is what's fascinating about the future of Penn State football. I thought all along, Jared, and, and, and you and I discussed this, you said you thought James Franklin would be back next year. I said it was more 50-50. I think I went 51-49, but I picked that he would be going to USC. Man, if they go seven and five, does USC want James Franklin? Can they pay him eight, nine, ten million dollars? coming off a, a four and five season followed by a seven and five, maybe at best eight and four season. You see what I'm getting at here? The future of Penn state football and the direction of the program, whether James Franklin is there or is not, if I'm a USC or an LSU fan and you're talking about hiring James Franklin, here's what I'm saying. 
that dude lost to Illinois. Why the hell would I want him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, he's had some, you know, he is a CEO. He's not a great game day coach by any means. But, I mean, you this is inexcusable, right? You just can't lose to Illinois at home like this. I mean, the ineptitude on offense, and this is a guy that he he handpicked. Yurcich is his guy. This is the guy that he wanted. It worked out. He brought him in, yada, yada, yada. So if I'm the administrators at USC or LSU or whoever wants James Franklin, oh, this isn't good. Well, and, it's, and this is just one game. His body of work game. at Penn State has been pretty good, right? Hey, they they could bounce. They could beat Michigan. They could beat Michigan. I'm just saying that that's what did. Did Iowa break Penn State? And did it, Illinois? And did, then did Illinois expose Penn State badly? Because if James Franklin returns, you've got the recruiting class. You got Drew Aller. I do think Yersich will get better. You, you continue the status quo. But what's the status quo? This is what I keep coming back to right here, okay? If James's name is going to keep coming up in connection for all these jobs, it means he's doing a good job at Penn State, and that's a good thing. You want to be wanted. As Sandy Barber says, we, we want our coaches to do well and have other people want them and desire them, and, that, and that's fine. But at what cost? James Franklin makes $6 million a year. He has not been to a college football playoff. He just suffered maybe the worst loss in the history of Penn State football. And that's he coming for after a season. They went four and five. They were they started last season the number seven team in the country and were the first team in history in the top ten to go 0 and 5. COVID this, COVID that's whatever. You went 0 and 5. And you finished four and five against bad teams that you beat down the stretch, but you went four and five. How much did James Franklin worth? So th- this is what it keeps coming back to for me, Jared, is you know, if, if Penn State wants James Franklin so badly. Can they really pay eight, eight, nine million dollars for him? If USC or LSU want to give him that, I, it, I say no. Is he I worth say, it? Is he worth no? And hey, look, he he has done so many good things, but the major question is, can James Franklin get you to the next level? And it's this kind of game that look, we might be singing a completely different tune if they go to Columbus and they stun the Buckeyes next week. I'll, I'll, I'll bring a crow. It's a podcast. Nobody can see it. But I'll bring a crow. It'll be a fake one, and I'll eat it. All right? I'll eat as much crow as I have to if they beat Ohio State on the road next week. But the bottom line is James Franklin has suffered way too many bad losses, bad coaching, um, and, and just kind of inexcusable types of situations. And, and this one today – or this one Saturday, Jared, again, if you're thinking about – I wrote I wrote James Franklin to USC would make sense. A bunch of Penn State fans ripped the holy hell out of me. I got death wishes. I wrote that James Franklin to USC would make sense, and people were so protective of James Franklin and what he could do for Penn State that they sent me death wishes. All right. Is this the guy that you really want to be that protective of? A guy that loses at home to Illinois, that's what to me is at stake here. He makes $6 million, all right? If somebody wants to give him eight, I don't think Penn State can match. I think Penn State can get just as good of a coach, if not maybe better, if for $8, 9000000 million. Yeah, I mean, is any coach really worth it? I, I mean, that's 
a, a debate as old as time. But, you know, you look at him and Dabo Swinney, right? Because I think, you know, at the end of the day, there are only a handful of teams that have ever made the college football playoff, right? And, and Alabama and Clemson are up there every year. Oh, Oklahoma, too. They're up there every year. And Oklahoma almost laid an egg, too. And that is just mind boggling to me, but, but you, you know, you look at, you look at him and Dabo, right. You look at Clemson and Clemson's in the ACC and ACC compared to now Dabo lost to, um, to Pitt today. Clemson lost to Pitt. James Franklin's done that too, <laughs> but you know, it, it took Dabo a, a good amount of time to get the ACC and they needed Florida state to, to, to fall apart and well they fall apart they fell apart pretty pretty magically actually it was it was impressive but what what stinks about penn state though is you're going to run into the gauntlet that's ohio state michigan and michigan state every year and you know for Dabo to to become an elite coach in the acc and, and then the nation it, the the steps to get there weren't nearly as hard um, but it's maintaining that and you're seeing that with that clemson team now there, I think they have a lot more distra- distractions outside the program uh, and inside the program than they've ever had. Um, but I mean, you, you just kind of look at that comparison. You're like, okay, well, to get there, they're really, you know, they've he was they have pretty similar records over their si- first uh, some first six seasons. You know, you win the ACC. He's he's won the Big Ten. You know, it, it's how good do you want to be and how good but can the difference you be? Is he's in the ACC and you mentioned Florida right. State fell apart. Ohio State ain't falling apart. Right, that, right. That's the difference. Like, you have to hope that Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State kind of fall apart. Michigan, you know, for a couple of years here, now they got Mel Tucker, things are a little different. But, you know, Michigan under Harbaugh, he changed the, the pleat of his pants and the color of his pants, and they're pretty good this year. And, you know, we, we say things jokingly, but, like, how good can – what? And, and at the same token, who, who can you get to take you to that next level? Right. Who's going to take Penn State to the next level? Is it Franklin? Could he do it? I think so. But a lot of it comes down to development. And, and you know, I, I like to say this all the time. And I say this to my players, too. Once you get to college, stars don't matter. They just don't. You have to develop. And and sometimes they, they do that. I mean, you look at the quarterback situation, right? The two highest rated quarterback prospects that have come to Penn State have been Anthony Morelli and Christian Hackenberg. And, and, and right now they've got the best quarterback in the country that's committed uh, and, and drew Aller, that's great. But can you develop him and turn him into to something good? Because Franklin's offensive line and Penn state's offensive line broke Christian Hackenberg. He yeah. spent more time looking at the sky than he did down the field. And that, that was the, you know, that's kind of the, the damage that was done by the sanctions back then, but how good can Penn state get and how good do they want to be? And, and how much are they willing to, to spend to get there? Because guess what? Penn state, they are going to have to put some money into Beaver Stadium pretty quickly. It's an arms race, and hey, listen, you can you can fix up the latch building all you want, but you got to start putting money into uh, and more than just a tarp and some lights uh, into Beaver Stadium. Yeah, and look, I mean, Franklin has done good things. There's no question. Um, what we're talking about here is getting to the next to the next step. And we can think, okay, well, if there's a 12-team playoff, well, Penn State would have been in that several times already, but we don't have a 12-team playoff. We have a 14-team playoff, and you've got Ohio State in your division. And so that, to me, is where I keep getting back to this because I, I, as we sit here right now on October 24th, 2021, I think there is a pretty large percent chance that James Franklin will not be Penn State's coach after this season. Now, you think he will be. I kind of think – that he could be. I'm just saying there's a good chance that he won't be. 
And now we're talking about Penn State football going in a completely different direction, whatever direction that is. That's what's at stake here, folks. That's what's at stake when when you're in a division with Ohio State and you are constant, you have the constant pressure of and this is Illinois. This is unacceptable in every every you know way uh, way shape and form. But that's what James Franklin has to deal with just to get to a college football playoff. It's unbelievably difficult and is always going to be unbelievably difficult. Penn State can have the, a tremendous team. You lose to Ohio State, you're probably not in the playoff. That's just kind of the way it goes. And that's why the whole USC thing, again, I don't know that LSU happens. You'd have to deal with Alabama and the SEC West, unless they offer him $11 million or something. I just don't see that happening. But that's why most people seem to think that USC is a very realistic possibility. And, and what I'm pointing out right now is this. If USC wants him and James thinks he can just use this as leverage, if I'm Penn State, maybe I think, okay, you don't really have any more leverage, okay? If you want to go, we're not playing this game. We've given you a lot. We think we can find somebody for this price that can, you know, maybe do some of these things that you can, you can do and maybe can do them a little bit better. Yeah. And you mentioned leverage, right? And he's, he's used his, um, his acumen and, and his the being wanted by other places, more, more prominent places to, for, for improvements in the program and the, whether it's the lash building, whether it's with salaries for the coaching staff, but Hey, he's got his guys. He's had Brent Pry forever. He's got Mike Yersich. When's that? Le- how much leverage does he have now? Because at some point you got to put up or shut up and get results. And I think, you know, taking a step back from the big 10 aspect or from, from the Penn state aspect, you got to take a look at the big 10s aspect too. They've got to do something about the competitive balance. I mean, you look at the big 10 West and it is, you know, not nearly as, as strong um, year in and year out as, um, as the big 10 East. And that's a problem. And that's, I, that's come back to big bite the big 10 historically quite a bit of times. Yeah, and it could conceivably in the future when you're – if you've got two great teams on one side. If Alabama and Georgia were both on the same side in the SEC and they had mm-hmm. to play in the regular season, then one of them doesn't get to their conference championship game. And it's hard to pick a team for the playoff if you don't get to the conference championship game. And, again, all of these things, they're all factors that James Franklin has to consider. You go to USC, you got Oregon to deal with, but, you know, that's it. And, and your path to – your path to the playoff is light years easier. So again, as we kind of wrap this up here, Jared, I, I just, where is Penn state football right now? Two weeks ago, we thought, okay, this, this looks like the number two team in the country. Now we're wondering if they're going to win a game again. They're probably somewhere in between, you know, maybe they're the 12th, 15th best team in the country. Maybe they'll go eight and four. Maybe they can steal one and go nine and three. And that's pretty good. Um, but Hey, when you are the number four team in the country and you were up 17 to three against the number three team, and then all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, you're losing to Illinois. It is, it's, it's just unfathomable, unfathomable. When you take a look at the way that play game played out, the stats on both sides, Illinois, Illinois is not the better team. I mean, let me make this clear. Illinois is not the better team. If they played a whole bunch of times, Penn State wins. 80, 90% of the game. Penn, Illinois was the better team Saturday. Illinois was the better team and deserved to win. 
Yeah, and, and listen, you can't get outperformed in every aspect of the game, both on the field and off the field in coaching and, and preparedness. I mean, you, you, we, I know that we really didn't mention this, but Illinois came out in, in some really heavy sets, and Penn State just did not adjust, especially in the first half. And, and on the radio broadcast, uh, Franklin did mention that, that they just weren't prepared for that. Yep. How, you know, and I think that's something, that's something you got to think about, too. You, you prepared. I honestly think they overlooked this game. And and you and James Franklin can he can say about one and no mentality until he's blue in the face. But when you're staring down the barrel of a, a matchup at the horseshoe for literally all the Big Ten marbles at that point, it's very easy to overlook Illinois. And I think that's exactly what happened Saturday afternoon. And the difference next week, Ohio State can really throw the ball. Ohio State yeah. is not going to have Artur Sitkowski throw it for 38 yards. They got C.J. Stroud, and and they can really move the ball. I'm looking up the stats here to see what they had today. They had uh, 539 yards, 350 passing. So uh, they had 187 rushing. I'm not giving a score prediction right now, but I think Ohio State wins that game by at least 17 points and maybe 21 or more. Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out everything about Penn State football under James Franklin next week because now he, he's got he's, he's to get his guys ready to play. And can they do that against uh, Ohio State? Because now this is a make or break point of the season. You're you you lose and every goal that you had is gone and it's out the window. It's you're 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 swimming upstream. And then you lose the team. We've never yes. seen that at Penn State, really. We saw them lose the team during the 0-5 start last year, especially against Maryland. There was no effort and heart against Maryland. But there, there's been a lot of pride and character in this Penn State program forever with these players. You, you lose you lose by three touchdowns to Ohio State. You you really bring the, the, the team leadership into question at that point. Yeah, and, and I think that's the big thing, too. I think that's what we're really going to find out about Penn State next week is, all right, well, can they handle the adversity? Um, because I, th- I do think that this is a different game after the bye. Um, and, and the, or instead, of, if they played this game after Iowa, because you don't get two weeks to sit at home and, and think about that. You get to go out and play again. I think the bye was both a blessing and a curse um, for that reason, because – you have to you have to sit there and you get that developmental week, which is great for the third and fourth stringers, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, if you play that game list, if you play this game last week, I think it's a little different. Um, but you're now you you've got Ohio State. Will your team show up? Will they get off the bus ready to play? And you're in prime time. You're on ABC again. You've got the nation watching you. I would imagine. I don't know that if game day has been announced yet, um, but I would imagine. Um, that it's there's a very good chance it's in Columbus, but they'll, I think they'll be ready to play. I do. They have I to be. They'll be ready to play. I just don't know that they're going to be anywhere near good enough. Yeah, I mean, I'm very interested to see what Penn State team shows up. Is this the team that 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 beat Wisconsin? Is this the team that beat Auburn? Or is this the team that? Um, hey, if they, if the team that shows look, we talked about this three weeks ago. If the team that plays it shows up that played against Wisconsin, Ohio State's going to crush that team. Because mm-hmm. they look like crap against Wisconsin. Wisconsin just looked like more crap. And they looked okay against Auburn. But if that Penn State team shows up, Ohio State will crush that team. You you got to have the team that showed up for the first 14, for the first 16 minutes against Iowa. You got to have Sean Clifford coming out, hitting on all still. That's the team you're going to have to have against Ohio or against Ohio State. And and can they do it? I mean, this is going to take some of the best James coach, Jim, best coaching James Franklin's ever had to do to get his team ready to go to Ohio State. And I think they will be ready. But can they go in there, compete, and, and keep it close? And, and, and maybe even, of course, and what would be the big, most Big Ten thing ever, go into the horseshoe and win. 
I don't think that that's going to happen uh, as much as, uh, you know, if, if you asked me before the Iowa game, I probably said it was there's They had as good a chance as any, but his, that would be the most big 10 thing ever is if Penn state went into Ohio state and, and won in the horseshoe after laying an egg against Illinois, because now you don't control your own destiny. You just, and, and it, 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 one loss in the big 10. Yeah. You could control it with, with these big games coming up, but now, now it's you're at the peril of the other, other teams in the, in the conference. And that's not a position that you want to be in. If that's even still a, a, a chance down the road, because the way the Penn state played today or on Saturday, I'm sorry, is just, that's not going to win you any 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 games at, at all at any level. One programming note: we're going to have another podcast. Thanks everybody for listening on this one. Jared and I will have another podcast in the middle of the week, probably shoot for maybe Wednesday night, Thursday morning. We're going to break down the Ohio State game, so we're going to start to do that. You know, hopefully more a uh, couple, even maybe a third podcast during the week. So I uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Jared, Jared and I will break down the Ohio State game, and we'll both be in Columbus next week. Yes, we're on the road uh, to Columbus. Got to give a shout out to our um, the Altoona Mountain Lions football team. We'll be taking on State College. We'll be in Happy Valley Friday night um, to take on the Little Lions at State College. Then I will be making the trip to Columbus on Saturday uh, to, to take on our coverage uh, for DK Pittsburgh Sports with Corey. And then we'll have our podcast following the game from somewhere in Columbus, Ohio, or maybe even the state of Ohio. We're not really sure yet, but we're going to take this podcast nationwide and see what happens. And we appreciate you for uh, appreciate you listening. uh, And we hope that you have a great week and we'll talk to you again uh, later this week on the DK uh, Pittsburgh sports podcasting network.